I'm Abhijat Saraswat, and this is Fringe Legal, a collection of conversations with innovators on how to put ideas into practice. Each episode is a discussion with a changemaker who shares their ideas, insights, and lessons from their journey. Hello, I'm Ethan, a new member of Fringe Legal. I'm a little different though because I'm an AI. I'll be appearing in episodes here and there to introduce guests and keep you entertained. If something I say doesn't sound right, well, I'm still learning so let us know and we'll work on it. As for the episode today, we are joined by two exceptional guests. While the overall theme of the show will be around legal operations, we tackle a whole host of topics. Why you should care about legal ops, the difference between law school and practice, how to introduce fail-fast thinking in legal teams, why technology isn't the magic bullet to all problems, and the advantages of being embedded with your clients. Let me introduce our two fantastic guests, starting with Liz Lugans. Liz is the COO at UpLevel Ops. Liz has built and managed legal operations teams in various industries in both public and private companies over her 20-plus year career. She excels in global project management and business re-engineering, with particular expertise in process improvement, change management, cross-functional collaboration and team building. But her true passion is helping others find their own strengths and talents and harness them for the value of all. Before joining UpLevel Ops, Liz served as the Senior Director of Legal Operations at WeWork. Also joining us is Sumi Trombley, Senior Advisor at UpLevel Ops. Sumi practiced in law firms and in-house legal departments for more than a decade before coming to UpLevel Ops. Sumi previously served as Director of Legal at Enterprise Legal Services Provider Marshall Denning where she managed and trained a team of junior and senior attorneys and developed and implemented resource-optimizing processes for RFPs and pre-litigation disputes. She is known for her ability to provide strategic guidance and cost-effective solutions. Prior to joining Marshall Denning, Sumi was legal counsel at Hewlett Packard Enterprise, serving as a de facto general counsel to top enterprise at outsourcing accounts. She started her legal career at the law firms of Paul Hastings in New York and Latham Watkins in DC practicing corporate finance and securities law. Before we go into the show, did you know that Fringe Legal is hosting a summit in November? The Fringe Legal Summit is a virtual event that brings legal innovators together with impactful speakers, allowing the attendees to explore new perspectives from business leaders and learn ideas that will be the standard in the future. Today, the session tracks will include KM and innovation data and privacy and ESG. You can find out more at www.fringelegalsummit.com. Use code READER33 and get 33% discount on the ticket price. Now back to the show. Liz, Sumi, thank you so much for coming on Fringe Legal. It's great to have you here. Thanks for having us. The focus today is going to be somewhat around legal operations. I'm sure if you have not been under a rock, you would have heard about legal ops. So let's start there. What impact does it have to the legal professional? It's a loaded question, but Sumi, let's start with you. Sure. The real purpose is to provide some management and operational expertise to a legal team. You know, in law school, you're not really taught about how to manage a team, how to manage the operations of a business. You're taught about how do you solve this legal problem? And I think the beginnings of legal operations really started with, oh, well, we've got all this other stuff and people are asking us to work efficiently. How do we do that? We're not, we're not the 
kinds of people who typically solve these problems, we need to seek out people who know how to do this and who are subject matter experts in this area. So I think that's where it started and that's the value that legal operations professionals bring. And then companies, especially in-house, became, you know, having to look for cost efficiencies there became a space for, okay, how do we work more efficiently? How do we measure what our efficiency is? And again, these are people who have been doing that in other areas all along and brought into kind of the legal area to help bring in that rigor. Yeah. And it's really interesting that you mentioned that because as I think back to law school, when you're studying law, your mindset is so focused on competing. You want to be the top of the class, but in reality, of course, that's not the professional world, right? The professional world is all around you win by collaborating, you win by leaning on other individuals. And Liz, I know when we spoke a couple of weeks ago now, you had mentioned something around how do you work as a team and the value that the legal ops individual, let's call it, brings by being almost a glue that holds the team together. My words, I don't want to paraphrase it for you, but yeah, I'm curious to hear your thoughts on it too. No, I agree on the glue aspect, I often use the analogy of like putting a puzzle together and I'm the puzzle builder, right? Like when I was an in-house, when you're in legal operations, whether you're a team of one or a team of 10, you're oftentimes the person who gets to see it all, right? From the vantage point, you understand, right? You're interacting on the contracting, the commercial side, right? Contracting or the IP side or the litigation side. And I don't mean that all from just the legal perspective, but because we build relationships and to interact with others in the organization, HR, the business partners, your finance, IT. We have this perspective of hearing all the voices and all the challenges and how and all the interconnectedness, if that's a real word, between them. And so we often act as that facilitator between the legal department and are able to like spot things for the lawyers and the paralegals and for like the patent agents and all those others that encompass what a legal function is to kind of problem solve, solution, communicate, right? So it re it's really, you know, when I think about Sumi, when she was talking about, you know, where legal operations came from, first it came from like an efficiency standpoint. Yes, totally true, right? Like, oh, we got to get a handle on outside counsel spend. Today, where we are with legal operations, it's beyond that. Like, that's just like, yeah, you should be working more efficiently and more effectively. But how are we really collaborating? How are we collecting the data and the knowledge? And how are we harnessing that so that the legal function can be their best selves? And that's where I think where we get our rocks off, right, in legal operations, right? We're, we want you all to, like, solve the problems, manage the risk, right? Kind of get those accolades for what you're really good at and what you're trained at, where we can help you like run that business and piece things together within the organization and facilitate those conversations. So for me, that's why legal operations exist and why it's kind of exciting and an exciting space. It's important because as I think of some clients and colleagues, friends who practice today, a lot of their focus is just around how do I deliver the best service to my client? I think generally that's where people want to start. And increasingly it's shifted to how do I do that with a greater level of transparency as well? So it's not that incomes instructions, it goes into a black box and, you know, here's an outcome. People want to know a bit more. And that means you need to be able to have both 
a process internally and a shareable process, a communicatable process. And I think that's, you know, what you were talking about, Liz, and part of that is around, and I'm looking at the article that you both caused, a lot of that is around allowing or enabling teams to embrace failure, this sort of fail fast methodology, and to be able to just continue moving forward quickly, right? To learn from that. So how do you do that? What's the big challenge that you're looking to solve in enabling that behavior? You mentioned something about how, you know, people and lawyers want to be able to solve the problems of their clients, but in doing so, and what's the best way to do it, it doesn't always mean here's the legal answer. It may be that they're looking for optionality. Maybe they're looking for a strategic partner. Maybe they are just looking for the risk. But whatever the answer is, you have to talk to your business counterparts to be able to figure that out. And what I think the thing that Liz hit on was that the therapy, the liaison, that aspect of legal operations is the bridge from getting to, I know the legal answer to how do I deliver it to my client in a way that makes them happy and feel like they have the best result. And sometimes you're not likely to go to the person who's giving you the advice and say, I don't like the way you're giving me the advice. You need a buffer. And that's the legal operation buffers to be like, well, candidly, I have this problem. I think they're really great, but I really need this. And then legal ops can go and say, you know, all right, well, here's what I'm hearing generally from these people. And here's what I suggest we start to do to kind of help facilitate. So you can be giving them the best uh, client service that you can. You just said something about legal operations being a buffer that just gave me like a aha moment. And so we never talked about this, but. Like you're seeing it as like the conflict between like legal and the business. And oftentimes I think people in the industry think that legal operations is putting technology in, right? Or you're putting a process in. And I feel like the conduit that legal ops bring is like legal ops is not all those things. Legal ops is a little bit of a mindset that needs to happen and a cultural shift that happens in a department in order to get better. And the buffer is the data that's coming out of the technology that you put in there. So if a lawyer is giving a piece of advice on something, they're probably doing it because they're seeing a particular trend or something that's coming out of, I don't know, their CLM tool or right, right. You've negotiated a point like a hundred times and you're, you're reading the tea leaves on what could potentially happen. There's a potential risk that is happening to the business. And this is why you're saying that. And it's very different to say that as a lawyer from a position of like, well, I think historically we did this than saying, well, I see that we have done this X amount of times, right? And all that is coming in because of the framework that legal operations has helped the lawyers put in place in order to be a little bit more data-driven to be able to inform those conversations. So for me, like I just had that aha moment for myself. It was like the buffer, like, well, yeah, the buffer is the data, right? Everything that's kind of being generated out of like what you put in place. I also had an aha moment about the buffer, but first I will say, I was waiting for which one of the three of us was going to say technology first. Uh, so you definitely lose that game, Liz. But yeah, I was thinking the same thing because I, I think in a, in a way, a lot of in-house clients are leveraging law firms because they want to be able to transfer their risk. The same way you're using legal ops because you want to be able to transfer the risk and be able to get a broader 
perspective, maybe be able to get someone who can help spot blind spots because you do get enrolled much deeper into this. And the last thing, Sumida, something you said, uh, it triggered is sometimes you just need someone who can have that discussion, who you can speak to. Right? There's the old adage, if you want to understand what your clients want, pick up the phone and call them. Don't just guess, which is what tends to happen most of the time. And right. it's easy. Sometimes you need someone to actually ask you that question to say, well, have you actually asked what the client's preference is? Do they want options or do they just want, are these instructions very specific and they want this exact thing? Yeah. And sometimes the issue is cultural, institutionally, you may just be an attorney who speaks directly to a, your business counterpart and they may say, I want this. And that may fly in the face of what your general counsel has told you that your clients want. So sometimes there's misalignment. And I think where legal ops can help is to bring alignment between the business expectations and the legal expectations. And they should always be in alignment. But sometimes over time, personalities and, and just the way of the business gets in the way and you kind of lose sight of that. So I think that's another important role that the legal ops plays. Yeah. Uh, sometimes they just speak differently, right? Like IT, the, the old adage of IT and finance speak very differently than legal. And like, so that's also a conduit, right? Helping each other understand the other side and point of view to like get to what oftentimes is the same goal. The perspectives are different than the words everybody is using is literally different, but they mean the same exact thing. So sometimes, you know, in legal operations, you end up being that facilitator or that conduit of understanding between the parties to kind of get to the end goal. Yeah. And the language is so important because you're right in a business world and especially in a large organization, each stakeholder has different objectives and overall you may have the same business objective or goal, but as you trickle down it starts taking a whole different form and function and how you execute on it and how you communicate that to your team also starts changing quite rapidly, right? The more iterations you have, the more varied it becomes. So having someone who can be that, that glue, I'm just going to stick to that analogy now to connect it back to actually, this is the overall goal that we're all striving towards, right? They're doing X because that helps them hit certain milestones. This is how this links to what this team needs to do. This is how the technology, this is how the data, and this is how whatever the next thing might be also becomes important. It's really quite crucial for someone to play that part because in absence of that, people are just making assumptions. And usually those assumptions don't come from a place of everyone's trying to do the best that they can. They come from, why are you in my way? I don't understand why you're doing this. Yeah, yeah. But you said there, I mean, we touched upon that in the article, right? You Legal ops becomes that glue because everybody can agree on what the problem statement is or what the goals are or what that vision is. But then like when you're in the thick of it and you're doing it, people start getting right feelings and start getting concerned about what that means for them or what the impact would be on the business. And you're right. We have to constantly keep going back and reminding uh, people, the why to begin with and what that ultimate vision is and make sure that even when things are swirling or things go wrong and why we're saying like when it's okay to fail because you're extracting knowledge from that, right? Even when you're failing, you just keep reminding people like the why you're, you're absolutely right. But somebody has to do that 
And that's why one of the reasons why legal operations exist is to keep, to keep everybody focused on the finish line. One of the things in the article on highlights, I'm just looking through all it and I mean, it's all page of yellow now with highlights, but. Uh, <laughs> I still want to see this highlighted. I will page. send it to you after this as proof. I'm a little scared now, actually. Uh, <laughs> but uh, one of the things I highlighted is legal ops like therapy enables a group to move beyond the fear of failure. It's an interesting call out because it definitely generates certain emotions because therapy isn't always something that people want to embrace. It has mixed connotations, but there's absolute value in that. I think that usually isn't disputed. So talk to me a little bit more around what either of you meant by that. I'm curious as a non-expert in this, and I know nothing, so assume nothing, how do you actually get embedded and make an impact. Even when we, with our clients, we often do assessments and I can't tell you how many times we'll be on a call with somebody on the legal team or in the business and they get emotional, both visibly and, you know, and just with their words end up being very emotional about what's happening because you know, I think the underlying assumption is that you actually care about your job and you care about the goals that you're trying to achieve. So when somebody starts to say like, oh, maybe you're not doing a great job or maybe this isn't the way it's supposed to happen or that you're being blamed for taking too long, it does drive some emotion. And some of these people are not experts in how to get themselves out of it, right? So you're in it so much. Think about it as like any mental illness, right? Or whatever. You're in it and you can't get out of it. You know there's a way out of it, but you don't have the tools to do it. And really what legal operations is doing is saying here, okay, tell us what your problem is and we will give you the tools to help you get out of this rut. And that can be really powerful. So you're putting, you're shifting their perspective a little bit by saying, I hear what you're saying. You validate them, you validate the emotion. And then you say to them, well, you're not the only person that has expressed this because typically they're not alone. But what if we did it this way? And, you know, with most things, like even in, in typical therapy, you're you talk about it and there's, ah, I don't know if we can do it that way. Your icebergs come up and you say, I'm not sure I'm going to be able to do this, right? And you, I think it's, it takes time to unpack the why. But as Liz said, when you hit those icebergs, the big underlying things of, do we need to fix the culture? Do we need to fix roles and responsibilities? Do we need to, all of these things come up as, have, what are the things that we need to fix? And it gives you ideas of how you can potentially solve the problem as opposed to just sitting in the rut of feeling miserable. You know, the reason we joke and we tongue in cheek about it being like therapy, but it's human nature, like how you do it in legal operations is, and Sumi's absolutely right. Like time and time again, when we do assessments, people get emotional and we say emotional, it runs the gamut of confusion, anger, literally upset, like tears, right? Like it kind of runs the gamut or just indifference, right? Indifference is also an emotion that kind of comes out. And being in legal operations be begins with being a good question asker. 
and a good listener. And in order to like get yourself embedded requires that you ask questions, be inquisitive, get to learn people and what they do and why they do it. Because all of those things together are a secret sauce to be able to put in some change management. And that's not secret sauce for like we managing a legal function. That's like secret sauce for life. Listen to people, understand the why, and like, right? And, and you kind of will be able to get there. And so like I oftentimes when I interview people for legal operations, I don't, I don't start with asking questions. I say, what questions do you have for me? Because through there, right, you're able to like evaluate, like, where are you thinking? Where are you going? How are you going to ask somebody something? Like, how are you going to go? Through the power of like asking questions, right? That's how you get to be able to understand people and influence change, right? Because at the end of the day, everybody wants to be heard and they want to be able to add value and to be recognized for the value that you bring. So if you're able to like bridge that gap and say, yeah. I'm putting in this new piece of technology or I'm changing this process. Now the work that you used to do, Ben, is now going to Sally. What is left for me? You need to be able to articulate. You need to be able to solve that problem. You need to understand what it is that they're concerned about and then be able to say, all right, but here is how we can potentially. So let's talk about that. How can we solve that particular area? To like Sumi's point of, you, it's a, that back and forth that you need to have until you get to that solution, but they're not going to open up if you kind of don't come to them from a place of being inquisitive. Oh, and Liz, the one thing that you did, and she did it to me today, is she creates a really safe space. And I think that's critical, right? You create a safe space for ideas to be generated. And, you know, sometimes when you're posed with a question, and I will say that in general, lawyers come to questions with, I either need to have the exact answer or I back away and I need to come back later, right? So there's not a lot of room for, let me just spitball here. That's the business's realm is spitballing. And we're here to tell you, yeah, you can do that. No, you can't do that. Okay, you can maybe do it here. You can maybe do it here. And building the parameters. So it's really flips the role on, its head when you say to them, let's think creatively about how we can solve this problem. And I think what legal ops and what Liz does really well is create the safe space so that you start thinking and you are allowing the other person to come up with crazy ideas and allow them to just say stuff in a place where they won't be judged, but they can then think about it talk about it, talk about the pros, cons, and then potentially come up with a more solid solution that works for everybody. But without that idea, you're just stuck. And I think that's where you can really bring out the good problem solver of a lawyer without having to be restrained by having the right answer at first. Yeah. Well, I'm now very curious in how Liz creates that safe space, but I suspect... She just made me want to cry a little bit. I'm going to hug her from a distance. <laughs> and this is the second time I'm speaking to Liz ever. The first time I'm speaking to Sumi, but I suspect Liz, you know, that even though it's the second time, I think part of that comes from being vulnerable and being able to share a little. You don't have to tell your entire life story, but you're right, Sumi, being able to create that, that space and it doesn't have to be 
safe by, you know, any sort of explicit, but it should be just, there is some space that you can slow down a little bit from what is happening in your day-to-day -day life, because usually it's chaos, frankly, for all of us. So having that ability to go to someone and say, look, I just want to vent about something for you to make it so you know, they feel heard. So you're able to ask them questions. You're able to challenge or look at their perspectives and do all of the things that both of you have spoken about. But I think that really allows for that creative moment, which isn't usually the number one thing that will come up as a term if you talk about anything legal, right? Creativity and legal isn't exactly the top blend, but it's extremely important. And from a business perspective, that makes all the difference because that's where you can start thinking back through, well, what does the client want? What's really important? What are we looking to accomplish? And you get into that mindset of instead of providing answers and solutions, which is what, you know, generally what you want to do, you start asking questions first. This is just a lawyer thing or something, right? We also need to be able to do that ourselves in legal operations be able to take a little bit of the pushback because at the end of the day, the legal department is our clients. We sometimes we got to take the hard pill and create not only that safe space for the legal team to come to us and say things, but the safe space for them to know that they could push back on legal operations and say, that's not what I'm asking for. That's not kind of not my issue, right? I've had that. You need to be able to like push back on me. Tell me if this is not solving anything, it's not going to make your life better. Like, at up level, we say it's not going to give you work, Jai, then just, then tell me, right? And we need to be able to say that, like, all right, like there have been times where I flopped up. It's not what they wanted, but I got to pivot. But you got to be willing to like listen and have that environment and then you move forward from there. And you have to be listening to the right people, right? So I've been in environments where there have been solutions implemented and it didn't improve my day-to-day -day job. It missed the mark. And I didn't have access to the legal operations team. They did reach down to me and I couldn't find them. And it's a miss, frankly, right? I think they would say that it's a miss from their perspective, you know, back then. And, you know, I would say it was a miss from mine because we weren't doing together as, it, as a partnership working towards that goal. So you know, to, to Liz's point, it's about not just talking to the top layer of the executives and what are your problems. It's talking to the people who are doing the work as well, not, and not just them either, right? You need to talk to the full range of people to understand what's truly happening. So the GC may say, I'm not getting the data I need. And, you know, your line attorney may say, yeah, but I'm spending 40 hours a week you know, trying to keep up with my admin responsibilities of, oh, the, this term changed. Oh, now I need to do a summary. And when am I going to be able to do the negotiation? So there's a full range of problems to solve. You just need to talk to everybody to get the full picture, you know, just like we do externally to our the other stakeholders. Internally, too, you need to be speaking with everybody. A lot of this does come down to we do a lot of these things well, hopefully we do a lot of these things with our clients in a very deliberate manner, but we sometimes forget that we also have internal clients, regardless of what your role is and whether you work in house or in a law firm or somewhere else, all of these things are very true. It's for some reason, we treat the external clients 
10x more valuable as an Intel client, where usually there should be about half and half because without the internal team, you can't deliver externally. That's just what it comes down to. And one of the things- I would say it's more than half and half, but my my team internally has got to be humming, right? Sorry to interrupt you, right? Like we got to be humming if we're going to be excellent in delivering something to the other side. I mean, I'm not saying my clients are important and we have to, but what they're going to get is a reflection of like who we are, sure. kind of like how we do it. Yeah, <laughs> for sure. Yeah. But you're hundred percent. The other thing, and Simi, you were talking about this right at the beginning, actually, before we started recording, which is around celebrating success. So not just setting the teams up for success, Liz, as you're talking about, but how do we actually celebrate that? Because it is very easy to get something done and to get it done at a more than adequate level to do a stellar job. We acknowledge it. Great, guys, this is it. Tick the box and you move on to the next thing. And I think you miss a valuable opportunity. At least I think so. I think you guys agree too, but curious to hear your thoughts on this. Yeah, you have to celebrate the wins. Unfortunately, there's a lot of times we do it internally. Oh, here's my group meeting, our legal team meeting, and we're going to say that Liz did a great job. Yay. I mean, like, great. That's good. But you're working for the business. You're trying to do these things for the business. The real valid accolades come when the business turns around and says, Liz, you did an amazing job. It just hits different. And so it's on the GC and the executives leading the team to work with his or her business counterparts and to be able to get into the cadence of there's always that newsletter that goes across. Oh, we, we did this celebrate XYZ within the company. Do it for legal too. And that means your implementations, your process improvements, whatever, but not, not and I mean, not just the deal. Oh, you signed the yeah. deal. Yay. Good job. No, like things that you are doing internally from an operational perspective that are helping facilitate the wins that the business is having. And those need to be really celebrated. I'm conscious of time. There's three more things I wanted to just chat through. Hopefully all three of them are relatively quick. Firstly, I'm curious. So up-level ops as a business, how do you work? Because of course, you know, you're an external party and I suspect, and I'm making assumptions that one of the things that you do is legal ops as a service, which I love as a term generally is cool. Um, but how does that work in practice? Because, you know, let's say I come to you and how do you become quickly embedded in our team? How do you create that level of trust that you can get a very detailed understanding of what needs to happen and then do enough so you can then be removed from it and things continue working at the end as well. This is my fun part. This is the part that I really love. And it's like no different than being in house and being in your first hundred days. Uh, except I don't got a hundred days, right? <laughs> I have a lot less, yep. but it comes back to what we were talking about before. It's about asking questions, getting to know people on a human level, um, quickly getting credibility with them and understanding, right? You have to be able to really quickly connect with people and hopefully connect in a way that they know that you understand where they're coming from and that you're very quickly going to also hear them. So it really comes from a place of being genuine and inquisitive when we get in there. And I feel like that's 
that's why Up Level really stands out. And I'm really proud to be part of this organization because we've all been there. We've all done this work internally. We've all done this work at law firms. We've all kind of felt the pain and really can immediately connect with our clients, whether they are the lawyers on the team, whether they're general counsel or whether they are the legal operations professionals or they're the administrative assistants on the, whoever they are, we could resonate because honestly, we all touched an aspect of the legal function at some point in our journey in the legal industry. And so we can tap into that to be able to really connect and then immediately add value, right? Because we've kind of seen it already. And so we say, oh, okay, we've seen this before at such and such place. So now, okay, so what's the nuance here for this company? So for us, the getting up to speed really quick is trying to understand the company and their culture and like what is their strategy and their objectives. So then like when we see things that we've seen before, now we can come up with what a potential solution and work with that company is, right? Because all the managements are the same, but it's kind of, we apply it differently based on the culture, the industry, and kind of like where they are in their maturity. Yeah, that makes a lot of sense. So it's a lot of sort of frameworks and process that you've refined over time. And I assume you continue refining every time you work with a new client. Every client. Yeah. Every client we refine. It's pretty cool. Yeah. That's really cool. Okay. So the last two questions, and this is the fun part for me. So first, and I think Liz, you touched on it a little bit already. So assuming I'll start with you. What do you think is the secret source for a successful legal team? You can define that successful as whatever you like. I'm curious. I think it's culture. Culture eats everything else every day of the week. If you don't have a culture of openness, your team isn't asking the right questions. They're not getting to the right resources and internally and internally. In the places where I've worked, where there's an excellent, transparent culture, though that's where I think, you know, people looked at legal and said, hey, these guys are our partners and that's a successful legal team. And where the culture internally and externally was not great, I think that's where it was like, Meh. you know, some people can shine for sure in those situations, but the legal department as a whole is not shining. So I think those that's culture is, is key. There's different answer, same answer. No, I can't, I can't add to perfection. <laughs> it answers. <laughs> perfection. We're striving for imperfection. I can't, I can't, I can't add to a, I can't add to that. How about that? <laughs> I love it. All right. Well, the second question, I'll start with you first. What's been the biggest shift that you've seen in, in, legal op, in the legal ops role in recent years? I know it's constantly shifting, but what's been the most impactful, let's say in the last two years? I hate to say the P word, but I'm going to say the P word, the pandemic, right? I think I think the pandemic has been wonderful for legal operations because what many of us have been saying for a really long time around the need for process and understanding what people are doing and how they're doing it and everything and layering technology over that has really made a lot of people in the industry go, oh, it translates into, I need document management, I need workflow, I need billing. And of course, we're happy to give you all those nice little toys. But first, let's talk about people in process so that we can make those toys fun and successful and fruitful and right, you could get the ROI. So I think that's been the biggest shift is 
this aha moment that has come to fruition because all of a sudden everybody was disconnected. They weren't sitting in an, in an office together and the speed of business increased. It didn't slow down. It got, it increased and it got intense, right? And so the need for data increased, the need for collaboration increased, the need for connecting with people increased, not just connecting from a doing the work perspective, but literally connecting, like I miss seeing people and talking and whatever. So everybody was really hungry for some structure and leveraging technology in a different way. And I, I don't see that leaving at all because people are starting to value, right? In all that chaos, businesses still thrive. We still kind of connected, but everybody was exhausted and burnt out and like, what have you. So, right. Uh, <laughs> so we got to find, we, we still got to help them find the ways to kind of put, put that all into place. And sue me. Uh, Liz hit the nail on the head. And in terms of what's changed, it's been the the validation of that need for legal operations. And you look at kind of the 60% increase in the number of just legal operation hires in the past couple of years. It's incredible. It's because there's now a full understanding of what they do and and what we do and what we can bring to the table and you know i think that's the biggest piece like it's it has been happening and liz knows it's been happening for years but the name has resonates with more people within companies i think because of the pandemic and we've had to kind of label this as this is legal operations and this is what we can do for you in kind of a very concentrated time frame I think that is a great place to start wrapping up. So firstly, thank you both for coming on the show. I'll include both of your links in detail so people can connect with you on LinkedIn directly there. And then if people want to find out more about Uplevel, where should they go? To our website. I'll put it in the chat. Perfect. So I will also link that in the show notes as well as a link to the article that I referenced a couple of times throughout. Uh, but and if you want to so plug that we do a free 30 minute consultation, like they should, right? You can pre feel free to direct them to, there's a link on the website that they could do that. Perfect. I will absolutely do that. So thank you so much for coming on. It was wonderful yeah. speaking to you both. Yeah. Thank you. You too for having us and rest your voice now. Yeah. So that's it for today. I hope you enjoyed listening to that conversation as much as I did recording it. Before you go, if you like the show, then I know you'll love the Fringe Legal Newsletter. It's full of interviews, articles, and reports to help legal innovators like yourself learn how to put ideas into practice and find success. You can sign up for free at fringelegal.com. This show was produced for Fringe Legal by Abhijat Saraswath. A special thanks to our guest. And if you enjoyed the conversation, you can help me out by giving this podcast a five-star review and click that follow or subscribe button on your favorite podcast player of choice. Until next time, stay well.